and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Hello, and welcome to the Literacy Teachers Life podcast, the podcast for teachers and parents who are helping young readers and writers thrive. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus. This is episode 11, which is airing at the beginning of March. And March is often a time when parent-teacher conferences take place. So I thought this was a great time for parents to ask questions about what they can do at home with their children. And it's also a time for teachers to provide some guidance about how parents can continue to support their children at home. So for today's episode and the next episode, I'm going to focus on what can be done at home to support readers and writers. And this is something that I'm always balancing because I want to work with my own two kids on different reading and writing skills, but I do not always have all the time I would love to spend on this. So I really have to be creative with how I use my time with them. So I hope this episode helps you see that you don't need to do a ton at home to work with your kids on reading and writing. So let's dive right in. The first thing on the literacy list is playtime. So giving kids the opportunity to play with their toys is great. Free play is so powerful because it allows kids to use their imaginations and act out different scenarios. They can pretend to be doctors or they can pretend to be the teacher when they're playing school. And they try on these roles and they use particular language and vocabulary that's great. So as they're building Lego sets, they can act out different storylines or create different stories with their Lego sets. So this is something that we've built into the Literacy Clinic. And I mentioned in the last episode that every Monday, the graduate program that I coordinate hosts a Literacy Clinic, and we bring in students from pre-K all the way through 12th grade, and the graduate students work with these kids. So in order to make literacy fun and creative and show that literacy is in everything we do, we begin each session with literacy centers. And these are hands-on activities that are focused on literacy, but through play. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of some of the centers that my graduate students have planned and created and implemented with the kids that have been really successful. And the kids think they're playing, but there's so much literacy work happening while they are playing. The first one is a vet clinic. And the graduate student who created the vet clinic created a form. And when the kids came in with their pets, their stuffed animal pets, they had to fill out this form about their animal. They had to write the date of the appointment, they had to write any symptoms that the animal was experiencing and exhibiting, the length of time that the animal was sick. So there was a lot of specific vocabulary that the kids were reading and using before they even got into playing at the vet clinic. So they had to read this vocabulary, understand it, and then respond to it. 
So they were playing or acting out the situation during the literacy center. Then the kids got to visit the vet and had to explain what they wrote on the form. So now they're using oral language to explain why they are there to visit the vet. The person who played the vet that had to conduct the examination on the pet, which was the stuffed animal, maybe prescribe medication and explain what the owner had to do in order to take care of the pet. This was so popular with the kids. We actually did it multiple times throughout the semester because they loved it so much. And they were reading, they were writing, they were speaking, all with the specific content vocabulary that is needed to go to a vet. So that's one example. Another popular center was a pizza-making center. And this is something that can be implemented at home so easily. So the graduate student started by having all the kids create pizza out of Play-Doh. First, they started with the bottom, which was the dough. Then they put on the sauce if they wanted. And then they added their favorite toppings onto the pizza. After they were done, she had them write a how-to piece about how to make their favorite pizza. So they were able to use the hands-on Play-Doh experience to help them write about how to make a pizza. And then they had to go over their writing by revising and editing to make sure that their writing was accurate. And that's really how they made the pizza. So both of these activities show how you don't need to spend a lot of time preparing materials in order to support your kids at home. If your child is playing with toys, you can add in some specific vocabulary The vet clinic, for example, you can add in symptoms, appointment, temperature. If you're making dinner, include your child in that time and talk to them about the steps that you're following in order to cook dinner. So first we make the dough. After we have the dough, the next step is to add the pizza sauce. Then you're going to put lots of cheese on top of the sauce. And finally, you're going to add pepperoni as a topping, something like that. And this shows them the steps you're following to make dinner, but it's also showing them how they're using literacy skills in everyday life, which is so powerful. The next tip on the literacy list is talking to your child while you are reading together. Many parents like to read bedtime stories with their children. This has actually become a popular practice in today's society. We read a bedtime story to our children and then they go to bed. So first, if you're not able to read with your child at bedtime, that's completely okay. You can read at any time of the day or night with your child, and it's completely fine. I'm actually not able to read with my kids every night. I teach two nights a week, and I don't put them to bed on those nights. Sometimes I'm able to read with them after they come home from school and before I leave to go teach, but it doesn't always happen. But I read with them on the other days either when they come home from school or at night or both, so it all works out. So when you read with your child, either at night or any other time of the day, as you're reading, you want to stop and talk to them about what you're thinking about as you're reading the book. I like to call this a stop and think. So for example, as you're reading, if you come across something in the book that surprises you, stop and tell your child this. So For example, you can say something like, wow, I'm really surprised that the character did this. It is so unlike her. What do you think about this? 
And this shows your child how you are processing and thinking about the book as you're doing the reading. And this thinking is the hard work. It's the invisible work that kids don't always see. They see you reading quickly and they think that's what a good reader is. But you want to show them, look, I'm really processing this. I'm thinking about this as I'm reading the text. And I think it's so helpful for kids to see their parents doing this thinking work with them, not just their teachers. Another thing you can try with your child as you're reading so that you can talk about the book is to stop and ask them questions as you're reading to help them think about the book. So I like to call this a stop and ask. Right now, I'm actually reading Charlotte's Web with my older daughter, and I will often stop and ask her questions about parts of the book and what she, how she's thinking about the book as we're reading. So for example, I'll ask her how she thinks Wilbur is feeling at a particular time or what she thinks about Wilbur's behavior during a particular part of the book. I'll also stop and ask her what she thinks about with the language of the book, or I'll stop and point out some of the different vocabulary words in the book to her and what she thinks about these. And this helps her think more critically about what we're reading. And after we're finished with the chapter, it allows us to go back and discuss particular parts of the book in more depth after we've done a little bit more reading. So that's another idea as you're reading. Another one to, again, getting the kids talking. This is something I tried out during the pandemic. So I was trying to mix it up with my daughters as we were reading so that we could have a conversation together. And they were different ages and at different stages in the reading process. So I made popsicle sticks. Nothing fancy. I put some different questions on the popsicle sticks. After we were reading, they would pull out one or two popsicle sticks. We would read the question together, and then they would answer the question, and we would talk about it a little bit. These were were nothing really too fancy. So some of the questions I had on there were, where does the story take place? And this allowed us to talk about the setting, and I could introduce the vocabulary word setting and what it meant. Another question was, who is your favorite character and why? And this allowed us to speak about the different characters and have some discussions about why or why not, why we liked them or why we didn't like them, and talk a little bit more about their behavior. And another question was, what lesson did the author teach through this book? So I did the same thing in order to mix it up a little bit. I tried the same type of strategy, but instead of using popsicle sticks, I made a cube. And on each of the sides of the cube, I had a different question. And to make it a little bit more fun, I think I used a cutout stencil of a star, wrote my question on the star, and glued it onto the cube. I actually used a cupcake box that I bought at Michael's for this activity. And again, same type of thing. After we were done reading, they would toss the cube a couple of times. We would read the question, and then we would talk about the question in the book a little bit more. There are so many different ways that this can be done, and there are so many different tools to help with this. There are inflatable balls with different questions on the ball, around the ball. Uh, I've used that with students in the past. There are comprehension ones. Lakeshore Learning sells a really nice set of comprehension ones that you can use with your child. And you can pull a wand out, and there's a question on there, and then you can discuss 
the question and talk a little bit more about the book after you're reading it. So these tools, this strategy, just allows you and your child to think about different parts of the book that you might not have paid as much attention to if you just read the book and closed it when you were done. So it's extending the thinking about the book and it's extending your conversation with your child about the book. So just some fun tools that you can try with your child at home. So the next item on the literacy list is having your child read to you. So this has become important for me with my younger daughter because she has been learning to read this year in kindergarten. So now that she's reading, I want her to practice reading with me so that she can become a stronger reader. And this can be a little bit tricky to balance because she wants me to keep reading to her and she wants me to read books that she is not able to read yet on her own. But I also want her to read to me so that, as I said, she can become a stronger reader. So how I've balanced this is that I read a book to her. We start with me reading. Either she picks a picture book or we continue with the chapter book we're reading. And then after I'm done, she picks a book that she can read to me. Now, the books that she reads to me are different than the ones I read to her. She is reading decodable books or sight word books. And these are very controlled books that have limited language in them, and they're at a level that she can read right now. And after she's done with that, if we have some more time, then I'll read another book with her. And this balance has been working well. If you're not sure what type of books your child can read to you, your parent-teacher conference is a great time to ask the teacher. And you can explain that you want your child to read more to you at home and have the teacher suggest some books that your child can read so that they can practice at home with you. All right. The next strategy I have on the literacy list is echo reading and shared reading. And I love these two strategies because they provide a lot of support for students. So sometimes kids are just not ready to read on their own, and that's completely okay. You can meet them where they are. You can still have your child read out loud to you, even if they're not ready to read independently yet. So the first strategy I'm going to share is called echo reading. And it's exactly like it sounds. You read first, and then your child echoes after you. So you read the book. You can read the book all the way through. And as you're reading, point to each word so that the child sees what you're reading as you're reading it. And then When you're finished, you can read the book together. So read the book again, where the child reads with you. And again, as you're reading, point to each word so the child can follow along with you. So that has a little bit more support, that strategy, because you're reading first, the child can hear you and hear what the book is about, and then you read together. Shared reading is when you're both reading together at the same time. So. This is when you both read together. And again, as you're reading, you're taking the lead and you're pointing to each word as you both are reading it together. And both of these strategies provide a lot of support to your child as he or she is reading. It's allowing your child to hear a fluent reading of the book and to notice certain 
spellings and patterns in language, and you can also point these out. And it's just a really nice way, if your child's not ready to read independently, to get them to still read out loud with your support. So hopefully these tips can be easily implemented into your home reading with your child. And or these are strategies that teachers can share with parents if they have questions about what they can do at home. And none of these take a tremendous amount of planning time on the parents' end, but it does get you reading with your child, which is really what you want. So one additional tip I have is that sometimes, especially after a busy day, I like to have quiet reading time as a family. So if we've had a really busy morning on a weekend, instead of coming home and turning the TV on, I'll actually have each of my kids pick out three or four books. So that's about six to eight books in total. So I'll have them sit with me on the couch. You can sit on a bed and I'll read one or two books with them to get them started. And then I give them about 10 minutes to read on their own. So while they're doing this reading on their own for the 10 minutes, and hopefully it's a little bit more, I pick up a book of my own and read along with them. And this is great because they're seeing me read as well, and they're doing some reading on their own. And it's fine if it only lasts for 10 minutes. It doesn't need to be more than that, but often it does extend a little bit longer. And it's just a really nice way. It calms them down after a busy morning, gets them reading, and they also get to see me reading, which is great. So I hope these strategies were helpful for you. I want to end on a positive note. And before we end, I just wanted to share something that's going really well for my graduate students who are working in the literacy clinic with kids in kindergarten and pre-K all the way through 12th grade. And one of my students is working with a kindergartner. She taught such a fabulous lesson with her kindergarten student. She read the book Be Kind by Pat Zietlow Miller and illustrated by Jen Hill. And this is a story about a little girl who spilled grape juice on her dress, and a friend in the class thinks of ways that she can help and really considers what it means to be kind to others. And my student did such a great job helping the kindergartner she works with really understand the story and the idea of kindness that was illustrated in this book. And she helped him think of ways that he is kind. So. After they read the story, she talked to him about the book and what he took away or learned after reading the story. Then she had him make a text-to-self connection and think of ways that he is kind. And it was so nice because he immediately responded that he is kind by telling his teacher he misses her. And this happened right after the kids were finished with the midwinter break in February after President's Day. So I said to her, I wonder if he went to school and told his teacher that he missed her after the break, which was nice. And after they talked about this and he shared this, she helped him get his ideas into writing. So she really supported him with his writing. He's an emerging writer. So he's learning how to write. He's in kindergarten. So first she had him draw a picture and In his picture, he had his teacher and he had her. And then after this initial drawing, she added another layer to this work. And she had him add color to the picture 
And then he labeled his illustration. He labeled his name and he labeled the teacher. And then after he was done with that, he went back and explained his illustration to my student. And finally, she had him write about how he is kind into into a sentence. And she did such a great job scaffolding this work for him and really supported him as he thought about the book and made connections between the book and his own life. And he was so proud of his writing after he completed it. It was such a nice teaching experience. So I just wanted to share that. And on that note, I hope this episode was helpful and that you feel like you can find small ways to support your young readers and writers at home. And I'll be back in two weeks with some more ideas about how we can support our kids at home. But until then, have a great rest of your week. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life. My email address is Elizabeth at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.